Amen. Our uh, campus ministry this uh, semester, we've started out talking about vision. Okay, talking about a vision in your relationship with God, talking about vision on, on how you can serve God. And, uh, and I'm excited because vision is one of those things that can excite us, right? And, and it's caused me to kind of step back and reevaluate what is my vision, right? What am I striving for? Where am I going in life? You know, I, uh, I thought about uh, this past week, my New Year's resolutions this year, right? Some of you may not even remember what your New Year's resolutions were this year. I, uh, I had a few big ones. Uh, one of them was to, uh, for our campus ministry to, uh, to reach 50 this year. And, uh, and I'm excited because I, I feel like one of my goals this year uh, was to, to read two books every month. And um, I'm not quite on track, but uh, I'm hoping maybe to, uh, to catch up. And, uh, and finally, I, I'd like to run a marathon before the end of the year. So I'm, uh, I'm shooting for December. Uh, kind of depends on how my training goes between now and then. But uh, hopefully squeeze it in there before uh, the, the end of the year. But you know, not only, uh, not only is this important this year, but, but I think it's important for us to, to really have a vision for our life as a whole, right? Uh, are the priorities in your life still a priority in your life? Let me ask that again. Are the priorities in your life still a priority in your life? You know how you, you rank them, right? Okay, first God, uh, then your family, then friends, right? Then, then everything else. Is that the way your priorities have been this year, right? Are you keeping your priorities a priority? I want to introduce you uh, and, uh, and, and tell a little story about a guy this morning. His name's Lassay Varane. And uh, in 1972, Varane competed in his very first Olympics in Munich, Germany. He was uh, only uh, 23 years old. And uh, he's from Finland. And the Flying Finns, as they were known, usually dominated the distance running. But since the 1936 games, Finland had not won a single gold medal. Varane faced a competitive field in the 10,000 meter finals. And in the qualifying heats, 18 of the runners competing had surpassed the, the standing Olympic record. As the race began, the Briton David Bedford quickly pulled away to the lead. But Varane was still in the lead pack and seemed to be running with ease. Suddenly, just before the halfway point of the race, the tightly bunched field exploded in a collision. Finding himself in the middle, Varane put out a hand to steady himself on the runner ahead. But in slowing down, Varane tripped, and his legs were entangled with those of another runner. They both fell onto the infield. For a few seconds, in what must have seemed like an eternity for all of Finland, Varane laid sprawled out on the track, almost motionless. But then he rose, like a statue come to life, and he gave chase. Less than a lap after the fall, Varane was back in the lead pack. With only 600 meters left, he dropped the hammer. As the bell sounded for the final lap, 
Varane led by over three meters. No one could match his stride. And Varane roared through the last lap to finish with gold. Not only that, but he broke Ron Clark's seven-year world record by a full second. Later that week, he went on to accomplish what's known as the distance double by winning the 5,000-meter race as well. So the title of our lesson this morning is Get Up and Win the Race. And, and uh, you know, as was mentioned before, we've had so many uh, deaths and, and diseases that, that have come upon us that it's easy to feel beaten down by life, right? And, and you know, all of us have experienced some type of fall in our lives. You know, the type of moment when, when everything stops, right? The type of moment when you're wondering how much further you can go, right? A situation that seems impossible to bounce back from. Are you guys with me? Have you ever experienced something like that? It's time to get up and win the race. And I think if you're here this morning, uh, if you can hear my voice, you are still in the race, uh, right? You, you haven't passed yet, right? You haven't crossed the finish line. You're still in the middle of it. So let me ask you, how are your New Year's resolutions going, right? Uh, we're, we're a little over halfway through the year. Uh, have you given up on them yet? Are you still uh, in the middle of this uh, year trying to figure out how to finish? Um, maybe you've fallen in your New Year's resolutions, right? Hey, it's time to get up and win the race. How about, uh, how about your discipleship resolutions, right? How are those going, right? Those, those decisions, right, those resolutions you made when, when you decided to make Jesus Lord of your life, uh, how is that going? Are, are you keeping those discipleship resolutions? Or have you gotten knocked down in your spiritual life. It's time to get up and win the race. You know, it's great, uh, God's word I think gives us great pictures uh, of what a spiritual race looks like, right? Let's turn over to uh, Judges chapter 13. I've been uh, reading in the book of Judges, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Samson this morning. Does anybody like Samson? Um, when I was little, right, a little boy, Samson is the bomb, right? Uh, you know, the strongest man in the Bible. Uh, it's a great story. And, uh, and I think this, uh, this story of Samson gets a, gives us a good picture of what it looks like to get up and win the race. In Judges chapter 13, verse 2, it says, A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Dedic dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel 
from the hands of the Philistines. Now, now think for a moment uh, about the, the magnitude of the miracle that's going on here. Right, this angel of the Lord comes to this woman and says, you're not able to have children, but you're, able to, you're going to be able to have a child anyways. And, and think about the, the, the magnitude of what this woman is, is being called to. You know, Samson was a miracle, right? And I think sometimes we can lose sight of that. You know, he was chosen by God to lead this people. And he was set apart to be holy. He's dedicated to God from the womb, and, and he was appointed to defeat the Philistines, right? God is working powerfully in the life of Samson. And I think for us, for those of you who have given your life over to Christ, uh, isn't the, tr- the same true for you and I, right? God has performed a miracle in you through the Holy Spirit, right? He's chosen you uh, as his ambassador to, uh, to Dallas-Fort Worth, right? He, he has set you apart as holy and blameless and has appointed you as a herald of the gospel. And, and we can't lose sight of this miracle that, that God has, has done in our lives. Are you guys with me? You know, maybe you're visiting with us here today. And maybe you haven't given your life over to Christ. Maybe you don't know what that means to, to be set apart, right? To be dedicated, you know, dedicating your life to God. I, I ask you, hey, ask someone before you leave what that means, right? What that looks like for your life. You know, we'll continue to read the story here of Samson. Point number one, uh, I think Samson shows us what it looks like to settle for less. And here in uh, Judges chapter 16, one simple verse, it says in verse 4, Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. One verse tells us all we need to know. Right? This one verse shows us Samson's life turned upside down. Because he settled for less. And it starts out sometime later, right? And, and isn't that how our lives go, right? Sometime later, right? Something great happens. Uh, again, we see this miracle in, in Samson's life, him being dedicated to God, and then sometime later. And, and as time goes by, you know, things naturally deteriorate, right? Um, except for maybe wine. Uh, you know, usually things get a little bit rougher with age. Um, are you guys with me? You know, he was a man uh, of great strength, and, and God gave him victories. But as time went by, compromises were made. And I think it can be the, tr- the, the same can be true in our lives as well, right? As time goes by, our, our convictions can tend to weaken, right? And, and we grow weary of doing good, right? And and those priorities in our lives begin to change, right? So it's time to get up and win the race. You know, the second part there, it says he fell in love with a woman, right? Now you can think about that. Hey, that's a good thing, right? Um, For Samson, maybe not so much, 
right? And, and we see with Samson, uh, he, he had a, uh, an issue in his life with women that, that kept coming up, right? And, and I don't have time to, to dive into it, but if you go back and read the last couple chapters, uh, this was a, a reoccurring theme for Samson, right? Uh, he had this issue with women in his life. You know, and, and I think the same is, uh, is true for us, is sometimes we know the things that are going to cause us to sin, but we don't get rid of them. Right? We know the things that, that are going to cause us to, to stumble in our walk with God, but, but we don't cut them out of our lives. And, and I think if you're, you're running this, this race of discipleship, right, and, and you, you got a 50-pound pack of sin on your back, uh, things are not going to go well, right? That, that race is going to be hard to run uh, if we're carrying the same baggage in our walk with God. So it's time to get up and win the race. You know, finally it says, okay, again, sometime later, he fell in love with the woman in the valley of Sarek. Right? The, that the woman was from Sarek. And if you don't know where the valley of Sarek is, uh, it, it's in between the tribe of Dan and the Philistines. Right? And, and in between is this valley. And that's where this woman was from. And she was a Philistine for sure. And, and we see, you know, sometimes we want to find this middle ground. Right? We don't want to be super righteous. You know, okay, I won't be super sinful, but if I can find this valley in between, that's a good place for me to live. Are you finding the middle ground in your walk with God? Right? You know, not completely in sin, but, but not committed to Christ either. I think so often we, we can find this, this gray area. Right? And, and trying to be a, a mediocre Christian. Um, it's time to get up and win the race. I, um, I, as I mentioned before, I, you know, again, I, I'd like to try and run a marathon this year. I've been running for, uh, I'd say, probably about eight years now. Something like that. And I uh, enjoy running. Uh, a lot of fun. Keeps me, keeps me in good shape. And uh, earlier this year, uh, in April, I got to, uh, to run a half marathon, and, uh, and I've got the medal from it uh, that I'll show you guys. And uh, you, probably, uh, you probably can't read it, so I'll read it for you. It says, first place male. That's what it says. First place male. And uh, hang that right there for you. So, um, so got, this, uh, got this medal uh, again back in April. For a, uh, for a half marathon I ran, uh, only 13 miles, um, <laughs> only 13 miles, but um, now it says, it says first place male, um, but, uh, but I've got to be humble, um, I, I, I got second place, um, and that's because a girl finished before me, so... Um, second place, but first place male. Um, and what are you going to do? Um, 
But uh, it was funny, I was, again, I'm running this race, and we're going around, it was out at uh, Lake Bachman, and, and we did several laps around the lake, and uh, I noticed, again, this girl up in front of me as I'm running, and so I get around, and, and passing the, uh, the, the checkpoint to go on the last lap, and uh, I ask uh, one of the guys that's there, I said, okay, hey, who else is in front of me? Uh, and he's like, it's just this girl. And, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And uh, so, you know, I come to find out that that was actually, I, I've run probably about 10 half marathons. Uh, that was her first half marathon as well. Um, so it doesn't look so impressive anymore. But, but uh, you know, as I'm running, again, I got a full lap. It was probably another couple miles, uh, probably about three or four miles that, that uh, I had to go around this lap, and, you know, I started out thinking, oh, okay, hey, I can catch her, right? Um, but I get about halfway around that lap, and I'm like, hey, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm going to let her have this one, right? <laughs> she, uh, she, she was probably about 18 years old. I'm 29 years old. I'm like, hey, it's going to be hard to recover. If I'm wanting to do a, a, a full marathon in December, I'm going to need to make sure I don't, like, hurt myself as I'm going. So, so I, uh, I still run hard, but, uh, but maybe not as hard as I could have. I love this quote from Eric Liddell. It says, many of us are missing something in life because we're after the second best, right? Many of us are missing something in life because we're after second best. And, and I would say, you know, many of us uh, are going to end up missing something in eternity because we're after second best. You know, are you settling for less this year? Think about it again. You, you start the year off. January 1st, New Year's resolutions, hey, I'm pumped, I'm excited. Are you settling for less this year? You know, have you given God all you've got, or are you holding back? Has time gone on and and your connection with God has wavered a little bit, right? That, That constant temptation may have worn you down. It's time to get up and win the race. You know, maybe if you've, uh, you've been a disciple for a few years, right, maybe you, uh, you used to be committed to making God's word the standard for your life, right? You decided when you became a disciple, hey, God's word is the standard. But, but now you can't really find time to read it, right? Or, or now the standard has become everyone else around you, and, and you start to settle for second best. You know, maybe you used to be committed to, to making every meeting of the body. Right? When the church doors open, I am there. But now, okay, hey, at least I make it on Sunday. Right? Uh, you know, that, that's my, my one time during the week. Or, or now, hey, I'll be there unless something else comes up. Uh, I'll be there, okay, Sunday, Wednesday, but Saturdays, those are, those are my days, right? If we got anything going on on Saturdays, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take the back seat on that one. 
You know, maybe you used to be committed to the great commission of making disciples, right? And, and now it's only when it's convenient, right? Or, or now I, I may invite someone, if we've got a special service going on, I may invite someone there. Are you guys with me? Yeah, I think so easily we settle for second best. And we trade our, our greater identity in heaven for a lesser identity here on earth. Right? We, we trade God's glory for our own glory. You know, maybe it's, a, it's what you make, right? What your income is. Maybe that's your, your new trophy. Right? Maybe it's where you work, what you drive, where you live, you know, what ethnicity you are, where you go to school um, or, or went to school, how many followers you have on, on Facebook. And that becomes your identity, right? And we trade this identity in heaven for a lesser identity here on earth. And, and again, we, you know, we never stop showing off our, our accomplishments, right? Again, when, when we were kids, it used to be the, the toys, right, or, or the trophies you used to win. And, uh, and, and, and as life goes on, you know, your, your new trophy is your career, right? Your new trophy is your, your house, right? Your new trophy is your car. Uh, you know, your new trophy is, is uh, your new iPhone or, or your new computer, or right? The list goes on and on, and, and we get so caught up with, our identity on earth over our identity in heaven. You know, there's this uh, game back in uh, January. Uh, most of you guys probably did not watch. It was, uh, it was the Brown University Bears and Bryant University uh, Bulldogs, both uh, schools in Rhode Island. And uh, the Bulldogs freshmen uh, had the ball, uh, and there were only 3.8 seconds left on the clock. The score was 91 to 90. So he dribbled out the clock, and uh, you can see him there throwing the ball in the air uh, right as the, uh, the game ends. And you can imagine uh, his, his disappointment when he's cheering, and he realizes his teammates are not. Uh, and he looked at the wrong score, right? 90-91, he thought they were in the lead, and so he chunks that ball up at the end of the game, uh, and, and right after this, you can go watch the video, he, he goes to give his teammate a high five, and his teammate's like, what are you doing right now? You know, can you imagine the conversation in the locker room? Can you imagine, you know, how he's trying to explain it? Um, but can you imagine... The conversation in the locker room of heaven, when, when God pulls you aside and says, hey, you've been looking at the wrong score. Right? You've been, you've been putting your priorities in the wrong place. Right? And, and, and you've got this, this uh, great score that, that you've accomplished in your life, but it's not the one that mattered. Right? How are you going to feel when, when the race is all over, you're... You're standing before the throne, right? You're not going to hold up your, your trophies here on earth, right? You're not going to show your, your accomplishments here on earth in order to get you in. You know, Samson's story continues. 
Delilah is, uh, is bribed by the Philistines, right? Bribed by the Philistines to, to give the secret of Samson's strength. And, uh, and so they come to her several times, and each time she, she thinks she's got Samson's secret, right? But, but Samson's just throwing different lies out to her. So each time he, he wakes up, breaks out, shakes it off, and, and attacks the Philistines. But finally she wears him down. And, and I'm not going to read the whole story, but, but she wears him down, and Samson tells her the truth about where his strength lies. And so the Philistines come, and they cut off his hair. And we'll pick it up in Judges 16, verse 20. It says, Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as I did before, and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Samson, right? This, this man of great strength, Right, this man who has killed hundreds and hundreds of Philistines, having his eyes gouged out, right, being blinded for the rest of his life, all because he settled for less. But I think this is the real danger of settling for less. It says he did not know that the Lord had left him. Right? That, that's the real danger. He did not know that the Lord had left him. And, and I, if I had to guess, there are probably some here today who have not realized that the Lord has left them. Right? I, I mean, I'm not going to call you out, but, but if I had to guess, there are probably some people here who just don't realize because they've settled for less in their lives... That the Lord has left them. And, and brothers and sisters, it's time to stop settling for less and get up and win the race. Are you with me? My second point this morning, much shorter, is finishing strong, right? And, and luckily we see Samson here. The story continues and, and he's able to finish strong. During a, a celebration the Philistines are having, they, they bring out Samson to entertain them. Uh, and here in verse 26, says, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, Remember me. Please, God, strengthen me once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Brazing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people. 
Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. You know, despite everything else, Samson finished strong. Right? God enabled him to finish strong. And, and you look at the, the story of Samson, and, and it's God's grace that amazes me. Right? It's God's grace for a man like Samson that seems incredible. Because you and I would have written him off long ago. Right? We, we would have said, okay, Samson just wants to do his own thing. Right? He thinks, he thinks he's good enough on his own. So I'll get rid of him. But God says, I can still use that. Right? I can still use him. And, and brothers and sisters, God can still use you. God can still use you this year. God can still use you in your lifetime. And as much as you've fallen, he still says, I can use you. I can work with that. Get up and win the race. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's funny. We got to remember, right, if you're running a race and you trip and fall, um, you don't become a faller, right? You're still a runner. Right, but I think sometimes again we're we're running this race and we fall, and we think our identity becomes that we've fallen. Right, we become fallers. Right, but uh, but again, just because you've fallen doesn't make you a faller. You're still a runner. Right, and, and we've got to keep our identity in Christ in check, and remember that you know we can't let the falls define us. I like this quote from Eric Liddell. It says, my secret to success over the 400 meters is that I run the first 200 meters as fast as I can. Then for the second 200 meters, with God's help, I run faster. Right? That's, um, <laughs> that is not a good strategy for uh, for. <laughs> For winning a race. I'll just say that. To run as fast as you can and then hope that, th that you can just run faster. Uh, but with God's help, you can. And, and I think you can finish strong only with God's help. And, and again, you look at Samson and, and look at, you know, the, the prayer he threw out there, right? And, and realizing, hey, if, if I'm going to accomplish anything here in my death, uh, it's got to come from God. And, and so for many of us, I, I think we got to take some time and we just got to turn back to God. And realize how much we've, we've started to rely on ourselves. Uh, and, and realize that, hey, if I'm going to accomplish anything, if I'm going to get up and finish this race, it's got to be from God's help. You know, when I'm running, I, I take these, uh, these goo packs with me. Um, I didn't bring one with me today. But, uh, but it's a gel, right? And if I'm running over eight miles, uh, I've got to have some gel to, uh, to get me through the race, right? A little energy boost to, to get me across the finish line. And, and you know what? God is our goo, right? God is the gel that, that's going to get us across the line. He's the one that's going to help us finish. It's nothing that we can do on our own. You know, this year is, is coming to an end, but it's not over yet. Okay, it's, it's winding down, but, but it's not December 31st yet. You can still finish strong and make this year count. You know, more importantly, your life isn't over yet. You can still finish strong and make it count. You just got to get up and win 
the race. So I'll leave you with a challenge this morning, okay? The challenge is write down one conviction you've compromised in that you want to return to. Right? Now, if you come up and tell me you, you haven't compromised in any convictions, amen. More power to you. But, but I think all of us can find something. You know, I was thinking about it. My wife and I, when we got married six years ago, um, I, I wanted to pray with her every night before we go to bed. Um, there have been some nights we do, but I would say there have been most nights we don't. And, uh, and that's one conviction I know that I want to get back to. That, that I want to, to, to hold on to that conviction in my marriage. Right? Choose what it is for you. What conviction do you want to bring back in your life? You know, I'm not sure where, where you've fallen short this year. Right? I'm not sure where you've, uh, you know, settled for less in your walk with God but make the decision today to finish strong. Amen? Amen. I'm going to close with a poem, and uh, the, the singers can begin to, to make their way to their stage here. But I want to, uh, to leave you with this poem. It says, Whenever I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race. A children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement, sure, but also fear, it wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win that race. Or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. Their parents watched from off the side, each cheering for their son. And each boy hoped to show his folks that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they flew like chariots of fire. To win to be the hero there was each young boy's desire. One boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running in the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as he speeded down the field and crossed a shallow dip, the little boy who thought he'd win lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his arms flew every place. And midst the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. As he fell, his hope fell too. He couldn't win it now. Humiliated, he just wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face with to the boy so clearly said, get up and win the race. He quickly rose, no damage done, a bit behind, that's all, and ran with all his mind and might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs. He slipped and fell again. He wished that he had quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now. I shouldn't try to race. But through the laughing crowd he searched and found his father's face with a steady look that said, get up and win the race. So up he jumped to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm going to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to run real fast. Instead, they cheered another boy who finished in first place. Head high and proud and happy, no falling, no disgrace. 
But when the fallen youngster crossed the line in last place, the crowd gave him a greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last with head bowed low and proud, you would have thought he won the race to listen to the crowd. And, as his, uh, and to his dad he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. And now when things seem dark and bleak and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my race. For all of life is like that race, with ups and downs and all. And all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. And when depression and despair shout loudly in my face, another voice within me says, get up and win the race. Amen. Let's, let's song, sing a song there. <laughs> 